Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to Blonde Hair, Black Heart. I want to talk about Real Housewives of New Jersey and all the lady drama. The gang is still in Nashville, but Teresa has left the building. Frank Sr. wakes up in a bed full of dolls, probably not the first time. So Frank is actually defending Margaret to Dolores. She's just inquisitive. She's not bad-mouthing Louie, she's just asking about the rumors. You know, I actually agree with Frank here. She's also not responsible for bringing these rumors up to the public. This was all in the press. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. They have to talk about it. If they didn't, the fans would be up in arms. It's like the Erica Jane stuff. You know, we were all livid when it seemed like half of the Beverly Hills cast was trying to protect her from the rumors that were already out there. You know, it's just not reality. If people are talking about it, then the women need to talk about it. It's so interesting to see women like Teresa who get involved with someone and these red flags immediately start popping up everywhere. And rather than take a step back and acknowledge those flags, maybe question them a bit, she's just like firmly defending this guy who she literally is known for, what, a year? Maybe a year and a half at the time of filming? I also think back to Vicky with Brooks. I just can't imagine hearing these insane rumors about someone I'm dating and not be like at least a little concerned. But Teresa just blindly trusts this guy. As Dolores says, she's like a little puppy from the shelter or something. I don't know, she definitely has sharp teeth and nails like a puppy. Margaret wants an apology from Teresa. I mean, honestly, that's like being in hell and asking Satan for ice cream. It's literally never gonna happen. Couldn't happen if they wanted to. The ice cream would melt. So all of the ladies, minus Teresa and Dolores, head to a recording studio to drink butter pecan shots from Red Solo Cups and record a shitty country song. Literally, this is so on the nose for Nashville. I actually used to live in Nashville for about a year. Yeehaw, y'all. So they're writing this song, and it had, like, the potential to be cute. You know, I liked the idea and the concept and some of the lyrics, but damn, they sound like dying cats. It's so bad. Um, Tracy did have her one shining moment of the entire season, though, which was her uh, line about rumors on the street with Louboutins on her feet. A lyrical genius, truly. So when they're laying down the vocals, did you guys catch Melissa do that little run like that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. And she kind of like looks around like, did you guys all hear that? I'm a star. And no one notices. She's not on display, on display. (laughs) So while all of this is happening, Teresa and Dolores are shopping and all of the guys are on a boat. And why are they so obsessed with dildos? Is that a normal straight guy thing? Like are all straight guy groups running around shirtless playing with dildos? I pretty much exclusively had girlfriends growing up, but if this is what guys have been doing all along, I feel like I missed out. Later that night, the whole group gets together for a cowboy dinner, including Teresa. Surprisingly, Teresa does apologize to the whole table, except for Margaret. It was definitely weak, and Margaret acknowledges that, and that pisses Teresa off. Teresa starts yelling at Melissa to tell Margaret to shut the hell up. Okay, I've said this so many times, but it's just baffling to me how Teresa always expects Joe and Melissa to defend her, but she never defends them. In fact, she talks a lot of shit about them. It's just like, this has nothing to do with Melissa. You're a big girl, Tree. Just take it up with Marge. That night, the girls also debut their song, Lady Drama, and watching Teresa's face the whole time it was playing was honestly the most I've ever related to her. Big cringe energy, y'all. Okay, now I'm gonna go and put on whatever I want by the OC Reels. Now that's good music. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. 
Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Sinmin are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plump, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Sinmin, you'll enjoy all the benefits Sinmin has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Sinmin.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at Sinmin.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Sinmin definitely helps. Last week, I was sent an anonymous tip from a listener that claimed someone had seen Raquel Levis and Tom Schwartz from Vanderpump Rules together holding hands and kissing. I shared the info along with the wide eyes emoji and it started circulating on Twitter. And after a couple of days, I received a notification that I had a response from none other than Tom Schwartz himself. Tom responded with the comment, hate to break it to you guys, but I wasn't at Coachella, seemingly shutting down the rumors. Then, on Friday of last week, I woke up to the story and my tweet being featured on page 6. Yes, me, on page 6, checking it off the bucket list. Not only did they post an article where they quoted me and called me a Twitter user, which, like, do you guys think I should officially change my name to that? But they also posted a reel on Instagram as well, with a screenshot of my tweet and Tom's response. Look, I'm not trying to be a rumor mill type of podcast. I'm not here to try and expose anyone or throw anyone under the bus, so I probably should have just let it all go but I love mess. I can't deny it. So, like I said, Tom replied to me saying he wasn't at Coachella. Cool. Good to know. But my original tweet with the rumor about he and Raquel didn't mention anything about Coachella. The word Coachella wasn't said once. There was no mention of a music festival, or even where or when this supposedly occurred. So, of course, I commented on the page six post. I said, hey, that's my rumor. But, plot twist, I never said anything about Coachella. This morning, I woke up to the Morning Toast podcast, hosted by Jackie O and Girl With No Job, talking about the rumor as well, and they mentioned both my original tweet and my comment on page 6, stirring the pot. Is this what fame feels like? They did, however, call me a girl. Like, multiple times. Which is funny to me because my little avatar on social media is clearly a boy. Or a cartoon of Ellen DeGeneres. I guess it's an easy mistake. Anyways, to sum all of this up, I just want to say on the record, I have absolutely no clue whether or not this rumor is true. I didn't start it. I just mentioned it to everyone on the internet. <laughs> God, I sound like Vicky Gumbelson right now. But for real, it could be true. Or it could be totally false. But either way, my tweet never mentioned Coachella. Let's talk about the Real Housewives of Orange County Reunion, Part 1. 
First and foremost, I loved this set. I actually loved it. I thought the colors were really cool, and I liked all of the set pieces, and I actually think that most of the ladies' looks were a lot better when they were seated on the couches and when combined with the set and all of the lighting. I mean, compared to the Salt Lake City set with that little fishing hole, this was a win. So, the trailer for the reunion showed a lot of the drama with Shannon and her dress, which was designed by Bones from Project Runway, and a lot of us were expecting and excited to see that drama play out in the actual episode. Nope, they literally didn't even show Bones. I wanted to see the drama! Strike one, OC reunion. Noella's divorce comes up right away, and lawyer Emily busts out her theoretical arguments and evidentiary support. I honestly feel like the reunion each year is Emily's only chance to litigate, so I'll let her do it. She's gotta put that law degree to use sometime, right? But honestly, I know a lot of people were frustrated with Emily and thought she wouldn't let Noella talk, but TBH, I really appreciated her perspective. Honestly, I haven't bought anything that Noella's been selling. Not even sex toys. Emily is questioning the validity of Noella's stories, and to be honest, I think Emily makes some really interesting points, and definitely pokes holes in some of what Noella is saying. So Noella explains that she and Sweet James met on a website called Seeking Arrangement, which is exactly how it sounds. For arrangements. <laughs> Noella claims it's a dating website, and that attractive girls and wealthy men are simply the standard. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, let me be clear here. I think it's perfectly normal and acceptable for anyone to have standards when dating, and if one of those standards is that you want your man to have a good job, then so be it. That, that doesn't always mean that you're solely attracted to money. Maybe you're attracted to work ethic. But in any regard, I, I think hoping you'll meet a wealthy man isn't in and of itself an indicator of a gold digger. That said, when you meet on a website like this, it leaves little to be assumed. Noella claims she didn't care about his money, but as Emily says during her opening arguments, you weren't on poordudes.com. So, Noella and Sweet James met when he was still married, and they had a fake marriage ceremony complete with a white dress and wedding photos, even though he was still married to his ex-wife at the time. I am so weirded out by this. This is screaming Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt when they did that weird family-themed photo shoot while he was still married to Jennifer Aniston, and let me be clear, I was, and always am, Team Jen. Andy explains that Sweet James's attorneys claim that Noella was preparing to file for separation herself, which is why James jumped to file for divorce in Puerto Rico so quickly. Per Emily, he filed in Puerto Rico because Noella's lawyers informed James that they were going to file in California. You know, I'm not a lawyer, but it seems like this was, like, a pretty standard thing, you know, to figure out where jurisdiction would be. Not that I know what jurisdiction even means. Noella also claims that James was ecstatic about her joining the show, but he now denies it. No one believes Noella, including Andy, and myself. She wanted to be famous. That's so clear. That was clear before she was even on the show, and she was a featured cast member in Bronwyn's Instagram posts. Noella claims that she would never have walked away from her husband for a TV show. I liked my plane, she explains. <laughs> so, yeah, lots of love in that marriage. Noella says that she was committed to the man and to the marriage and not to the show. But when he walked away and started saying that he wanted nothing to do with the show, she could have quit. She could have walked away too. I mean, Nicole Weiss did it, but you're still here sitting on the couch and James is off in Puerto Rico, no longer married to you. So... It's revealed that Noella is dating a new guy, and she's very excited to get married again. So, yeah, again, tell me how much you valued that last marriage of yours that literally ended less than a year ago. Slow down, girl! So, as I kind of mentioned before, her new man, Bobby, bought her an adult toy company for Christmas. So now she's checking another housewife's trope off her list, uh, following in the footsteps of Candy Burris. But let's be clear, anyone can start a company on LegalZoom for a few hundred bucks. 
I'm going to go start a sex toy company to compete with hers. Stacks RS come in summer 2022. <laughs> so there's actually like a whole two minute breakdown about Noella's stack and Sweet James's involvement with each layer of the stack. Honestly, I could have done without. So then the drama between Shannon and Heather comes up. The Nicole Weiss of it all. Okay, I'm prefacing this by saying I love Stormy Shaniels. She's one of my favorite housewives. I don't think she gets enough credit for being a West Coast all-star and, you know, all that she brings to Real Housewives of Orange County. She's an icon, she's a legend, she is the moment. But I can acknowledge that in this situation, and in other situations, I don't necessarily agree with her. Shannon keeps claiming that she didn't think that Nicole James and Nicole Weiss were the same girl. It couldn't be her, she says. Okay, so if you truly didn't think it was the same girl, why do you keep mentioning this other woman who sued Terry? If you didn't think this Nicole was that Nicole, why are you talking about that Nicole? Gina and Emily claim that Shannon planted the news to them so it would come up on camera. Shannon keeps saying that she would never bring it up on camera, but that's not really the point. Even if she doesn't bring it up on camera, it's apparent at this point that she wanted it said on camera. Otherwise, like I said, why even mention it? And why mention it to your castmates? You know, if you really are concerned, why not go tell one of your core four, you know? The other thing is, Shannon did plant seeds on camera. Sure, she didn't mention the lawsuit on camera, but she mentioned multiple times on camera that she knows another Nicole and she isn't sure if it's the same girl. So she was definitely, you know, dropping hints along the way. Also, according to Heather, Shannon told the head of production about the lawsuit. So even if she isn't explicitly mentioning the lawsuit on camera, if production knows, and she's dropping hints about Nicole James's past as Nicole Weiss, you're clearly trying to get it brought up. I'm sorry, but Shannon knew what she was doing. I wish she would just own it. And here's my issue with the Shannon defenders on this. They're contradicting themselves. I literally got a comment from one person saying that Shannon was completely innocent and had no clue it would ever come up on camera, and then I tweeted about how Heather said Shannon told production, and this same person replies, well duh, that's their job, of course they're going to tell production about all the drama they know about for the show. So which is it? Was she completely innocent, or was she just doing her job and you're justifying it? She can't be both completely innocent and also playing the game. Plus, this isn't the first time Shannon's been accused of this. So, I'm also confused why she never just went and talked to the source. Why not go talk to Heather? If you're so concerned or confused, ask Heather, hey, who's this new girl you're bringing in? Do it on camera if you want, or do it off camera. But it would have made Shannon look a lot better in this situation. So, personally, all that said, I really understand Heather's point when she brought up David's affair during the reunion. She mentions that six years ago, at a reunion, Shannon and David sat on the couch claiming they had fixed all of their marital problems and they had just come back from Hawaii and their marriage was better than ever. Now, some of you might recall, this Hawaii trip was later revealed as the trip when Shannon called Vicky, drunk and screaming, covered in bruises. So when Heather brings this up, Shannon in the moment flips out and is like, what? You're claiming that I knew about David's affair? And she tries to deny it and say that she didn't know at the time. But then later she's justifying, you know, her and David saying that they were fine at the reunion and explaining they had just gone through relationship boot camp. Well, if you recall, that relationship boot camp was shown on the next season and it was revealed during the boot camp that David had an affair. So she just proved Heather right. At the reunion, if they had already gone through the boot camp, Shannon did know about the affair. 
Now, do I think Shannon was in the wrong to lie and try and make her marriage sound like it was perfect, that reunion? I don't know. I mean, I understand if they're working through things, why she would want to just deflect and try and avoid the conflict. But Heather's point isn't that Shannon shouldn't have lied or protected her marriage. It's simply that everyone knew what she was doing, and they all kept their mouths shut. They could have all said right then and there, what about David's affair? But they didn't. Similarly, in that scene from Shannon's first season, when Heather asks her to leave, or kicks her out of her house, depending on who you're talking to. You know, in hindsight, Heather could have said in that moment, on camera, yeah, I was sitting at a lunch table with some girls, and they brought up how David's having an affair, and one of my friends texted the mistress under the table, and she texted David. But she didn't. So I understand Heather's point. You know, they really did have Shannon's back in that moment, whether it seemed like it or not. And a lot of people thought it was inappropriate or even fucked up for Heather to bring up the affair now, but it's no secret. We literally all watched it play out on camera. She's not exposing some new revelation, which is exactly what Shannon was trying to do. Okay, now let's talk about Heather's Sopranos moment. <laughs> I honestly loved it. I love those over-the-top campy housewives moments, and I feel like more of the audience should appreciate the ridiculousness of it all. I just, I really miss those moments on the show when the stakes feel so damn high, but they just aren't. You know, this is a show that gave us a 30-minute throwdown featuring the entire cast because a friend of ate a tiny piece of frosting off of a cake. You know? Iconic. Later, the blossoming friendship between Gina and Heather comes up, which leads into the Gina and Shannon drama. I did always feel throughout the season that Shannon was disappointed that she and Heather didn't team up in the way that Heather and Gina did, but I never took it as Shannon being jealous of Gina beyond that at all. I really didn't. But in this conversation, she's saying to Gina, I didn't have the same good fortune as you during my divorce. So maybe she is a little jealous. I don't know. Also, what good fortune did Gina have? Shannon was literally receiving like 15k a month from David during their divorce, which sounds like a fortune to me. Okay, now let's talk about everything Dr. Jen did and said during this reunion. Well, that's it. 